All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. It is Thursday, the 27th of October, 2022. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Uh, wasn't planning on doing a second one, that's for sure. But with what happened today, I just had to. I had to. Uh, in case you were still wondering uh, and or still doubting, the knives are out at the Liberal Party of Quebec. At least it's now official. It's made public. And we should talk about that. It was in the news consistently today. I think it's the only thing that the, uh, that the, the, that the, that the journalists were, uh, were talking about. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, I don't know if we can analyze it or just talk a little bit about what happened, what I think about what happened. Uh, let's get to it. So essentially, today... Dominique Anglade and the Liberal Party were uh, announcing uh, its shadow cabinet. Now, what is a shadow cabinet? I mean, I, I was never uh, a fan of that terminology because, you know, the Liberal Party isn't in government. They do not have ministers and therefore not uh, a ministerial cabinet. So they call it a shadow, min, uh, a shadow cabinet because everyone in opposition is given a responsibility the official term is the official opposition critic so that they can question the ministers across the aisle in government uh so just to give you an example we spoke about pierre fitzgibbon uh in the other episode he's the minister f um, the minister of economy innovation and uh, energy so every opposition party, not only the Liberal Party but the PQ and the QS as well they will have to assign, an official opposition critic or an opposition critic to question that minister, okay? And because they have these roles, it's kind of like a loose term called the shadow cabinet. So it's like the opposition ministers, if you want, right? Um, but officially the term is the official opposition or opposition critics. Um, and that's what happened. So Dominique Anglade was announcing uh, or was supposed to announce her shadow cabinet. I'm not so sure if the list was leaked yesterday in the night or really early this morning, but essentially what happened is that when the journalists picked up this list, they noted that there was a, there was a name missing from that list, uh, and that's the name of Marie-Claude Nichols. Now, Marie-Claude Nichols, for those who don't know, um, she gets elected in the writing of Vaudreuil. So Vaudreuil, again, for those who don't know, is in the west of Montreal. It's outside the island. Of course, I think it part of the greater Montreal region, but it's essentially between Montreal and, uh, and the Outaouais region. So as you're driving towards Gatineau or eventually to get to Ottawa, you have to cross through Vaudreuil, and that's the region. Um, she was first elected there in 2014. Uh, in 2018, I believe she won by, a, by the skin of her teeth. We're talking about like maybe a little over 500 votes. Uh, maybe it's not by the skin of her teeth, but it's a, it's a, it's a slim uh, ma ma majority. So if you followed QC Brief with Michael uh, Forin, you know about this writing. We mentioned it several times because we knew going into this election uh, that ended on the 3rd of October that this was going to be among the, you know, the, the hardest fought writings. There was a huge battle given in Vaudreuil. Dominique Anglade went there to campaign, I believe, several times. The party was focused on that, uh, on that writing. We, you know, the Liberal Party really wanted to win that writing. It did not want that writing to fall to the CAC. 
And she did it. She pulled through. She went to bat for the Liberal Party. She gave the battle of her life, Marie-Claude Nichols, and she won that riding. Uh, so that's who Marie-Claude Nichols is. And from what we understand, um, she wasn't on that list. And people were questioning what's going on. Why is Marie-Claude Nichols not on the list? Because keep in mind that the Liberals elected 21 members, 21 elected members, and the government has 90, of which 30 are ministers. So naturally, everyone that follows politics and everyone that's following what's happening in the National Assembly was expecting every single person in opposition, every one of those 21 members, to get a role, to, to, to be given responsibilities, to, 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 have, uh, to become an official critic of something. Because it makes sense. You're only 21, the, the government has 30. So not only are you, going, are you getting one responsibility, chances are that a few uh, members of the opposition are going to get two, three, or maybe even four or more responsibilities because you need to confront 30 ministers across the, across the aisle, uh, across the floor. So those 21 people need to, you know, to, 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 to get 30 responsibilities right 30 uh, 30 departments um so everyone was hoping or at least wondering who was going to get what so marie claude nicole's name is missing from the list and uh so all the you know the questions start uh, start uh, coming during the day and then early in the morning we find out that there's a meeting uh of the of the liberal parliamentary officers now what are the parliamentary officers let's just get these definitions out of the way so you guys can understand exactly what's happening here so every 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 party has like a close guard right so this is the close guard of dominique anglade they're called the parliamentary officers basically it's the the the, the part the, the the house leader the deputy house leader uh the caucus chair and the party whip so those four people along with dominique anglade they you know, make up the 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 the, the officers or you know, the parliamentary officers. So this group meets, and they come out to announce that Marie Claude Nichols was ejected from the Liberal Party caucus and will be sitting as an independent MNA. Reason for having refused to take the positions that Dominique Anglade was given to uh, was giving to her. Pause. I'm waiting for reactions. And yes, it's as unbelievable as that. What exactly happened? Obviously, we don't have all the information. I wish to God I was a fly in that wall, in that caucus, to see exactly what happened. But in appearance, it again reflects on the awful leadership of Dominique Anglade. Now, before we get to that, because I want, obviously, it's headed in that direction, right? This whole episode is going to, 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 to reflect on that. But here's what we find out that happened. Soon after the elections ended, Marie-Claude Nichols, and especially now, probably in the last couple of days or weeks, as Dominique Anglade was working on uh, composing this team, Who's gonna get what, and you know who, who's gonna you know what role she was going to give to each and every one of them? Marie Claude Nichols indicated her interest of being third deputy speaker of the house. Now we're gonna get to the definitions again because I want to get that out of the way. I want you guys to understand exactly what all this means. Um, but essentially, you know, Dominique Anglade refused to give that to her, and instead gave her the responsibility as official opposition critic. 
responsible for transport, the transport file. So now what is the speaker? Okay, and what's the first, second, and third deputy speaker? So for everyone following what happens in the National Assembly, normally you guys probably listen into question period. There's one guy sitting in the throne in between uh, the, the the parties, and you know this guy's job is to be neutral first and foremost, and you know he makes sure that everyone respects the rules, that there's cohesion in the parliament, that you know you know that the the, the question period unfolds in a, a humane and respectful way, based on the rules and regulations of the National Assembly. Now, <coughs> sorry, so he chairs usually the question period and then after the question period there's obviously more you know uh, deliberations that happen in, in, in parliament and he has uh, deputy speakers that replace him on a rotating schedule so first second and third deputy speaker now traditionally usually the speaker the first deputy speaker and second deputy speaker come from the government and the third deputy speaker is usually given to the opposition. Now I say usually because very rarely this you know the government is going to pass on the the speaker position and that normally or not normally but the rare times that it, that I think it has happened is because it's in a minority government situation and the difference is so slim between the governing party and the opposition that you don't want to lose those votes, right? Because you have to know that once you get named as Speaker of the House, you lose your right to vote. You become neutral. You become objective. So in a situation where the governing party has a very slim, uh, <coughs> excuse me, has a very slim difference between the opposition, you don't want to lose those votes. So you just throw that to the opposition and say, here, you take the Speaker position and you lose a vote. Um, doesn't happen very often. But of course, these are all strategies in the parliament. Forget about that. Usually the speaker, first and second deputy speaker, go to the government and the opposition takes the third deputy speaker. So what happened from what we find out is that uh, Marie-Claude Nichols wanted that position, but Franz Benjamin also wanted that position and Dominique Anglade preferred to, to, to support Franz Benjamin. Who's Franz Benjamin? Well, he was elected. He's, he's not newly elected. He, he got in in 2018 for the very first time, but... Franz Benjamin is someone that comes from the municipal political world. Uh, and he was also the first black person to be named speaker of the city council for the city of Montreal. So he has the experience as a speaker of, not really a parliament, it's city council, but it's kind of like a mini parliament, you know, right? It's a, it's a Montreal city council. Uh, but he, he understands, he has the understanding of, how things work, what he needs to do as a speaker, his responsibilities. So he has that knowledge. So I, I have nothing to say against Franz Benjamin. I know him personally. Maybe he's the right position. Maybe he's the right guy for it. I don't know. But in terms of experience in the opposition, he's clearly the only one that has it. Okay, He's the only one that's done that job. And keep in mind, you don't have that many older people uh, elected in opposition most of them abandoned ship the only senior more senior mnas is filomena rotiroti that came in in 2018 and then the rest came in in 2014 or 2018 so um i think that choice makes sense for for for, for france benjamin regardless regardless why would you eject someone from caucus because they refused to take in the responsibilities that you were giving them. 
that was the big question that pretty much preoccupied every single journalist today from morning up until late at night. Uh, the amount of analyses and commentaries that I heard is is just mind-boggling. Uh, but that's what happened, all right? So she wanted that position. Dominique Anglade did not support her. She supported Franz Benjamin, um, and she was given transport. Now, from what we also found out, was that probably Dominique Anglade asked her colleagues to give to give her three, four choices that she could juggle around with and kind of see if you know how she could th- you know fix the puzzle. And that's what Marie Claude Nichols did. She gave her four choices aside from the third from the the, the one that she wanted, the, the the priority one, which was to be the third deputy speaker of the house. So she gave that and then the, her fourth choice, her fourth choice, the last choice on the list was transport. So Dominique Anglade not only didn't support her to be third deputy speaker uh, of the house, which she can do. She's, you know, Dominique Anglade has, the, you know, she's free to, 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 to support anyone she wants. But not only did she do that, she gave her her last choice, the last one. So people are wondering, what the hell is going on in this caucus? Did something happen between Marie-Claude Nichols and Dominique Anglade where Dominique Anglade felt that she had to put her foot down and say, yeah, fuck, I'll show you. Yeah, what's the last thing that you want on that list? Well, that's what I'm giving you. Is that what happened? We don't know. Um, But we're going to get to all of that. Now, the the last thing I want you guys to keep in mind, uh, especially for the the, the positions of speakers, the, the speakers in the house, it's not as simple as I described it. It's not as if, oh, we choose this person and you guys choose that person. Normally, the speakers in the house they get elected by their peers. It's an election process, and it's all 125 people that vote on who they want. And usually it's people that are well-respected, people that have demonstrated, one, uh, their skill to assume this responsibility effectively, right? Um, But more often than not, what ends up happening is that, you know, the, the, the parties talk amongst themselves, there's usually never any fighting. So the government says, listen, who wants, okay, we're going to support so-and-so for speaker. We're going to support so-and-so for first and second deputy speaker. Is everyone okay? Yeah, good, perfect. We're good. So knowing that there's no one else that's going to contest these seats, there's no vote. I mean, they get in by default, right? Same thing for the opposition. Usually they talk it amongst themselves. Who wants it? Okay, we're supporting this person. Everyone's on board. Yes, thank you, good. So when the time comes and they do the, and they call out, you know, the positions, there's usually just one person, you know, oh, it's, you know, I, I'm interested for the speaker position. Anyone else? No. Okay, cool. Boom. Speaker of the house. Who's interested for the first deputy speaker? Anyone? One person? Okay, you're in. So there's never really any voting procedure that happens, but it's usually agreed upon between the parties and, you know, it's, it's respectful, right? Between the two. Now, here's what, here's an interesting analysis I heard today. It's very possible that Dominique Anglade felt threatened that by not supporting Marie-Claude Nichols and keeping her in the caucus, in her caucus, that come this period where they would be selecting the third deputy speaker, Dominique Anglade and her caucus, and most of the people would say, yeah, France Benjamin uh, from our end, but then Marie-Claude Nichols would be like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second, I also want it, and force a vote. In Parliament. Now, if you're looking at this happening and you're in the government or you're in the other opposition parties and you're thinking, 
okay, something's going on in that caucus, right? I mean, they weren't able to come up with one name, and then you have two people in that same party that are contesting that same seat. Hmm, let's give it to Dominique Anglade, and you know what? Forget about who she, she's supporting. Let's give our support to Marie-Claude Nichols over here and stick it to Dominique Anglade, you know? <coughs> Very possible that Dominique Anglade felt threatened. So this is one analysis that was... Uh, talked about a lot in the in the news today and it's very possible so the only way to avoid that from happening from her side was to eject her entirely from the caucus and avoid that whole embarrassing moment and to get france benjamin to sit as the third deputy speaker it is absolutely mind-boggling i I have been thinking about this the entire day. Now, Dominic Conglad still hasn't commented on this. She went into hiding the entire day. She sent out Enrico Ciccone. Enrico Ciccone is the, the, the caucus chair. So he's the guy presiding the caucus meetings. And he's obviously part of the parliamentary officers. And he's the one. She sent him to bat. She's like, you go and you explain what happened. You're the caucus chair. You made that decision, you go tell them what happened. Now, what Enrico Ciccone did was another bizarre thing. Now, Enrico Ciccone, for those wondering, he came in in 2018. He was a brand new MA, but he's a very well-respected member of uh, parliament. Everyone you know, across the board, people love him. He speaks well. Uh, he's fair. Uh, he's very collaborative. In general, uh, people look up to him. So I have absolutely nothing to, 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 to say about the position that he was given as a caucus chair. I think it's, it's a great uh, choice. But he came out to explain and to justify their, their decision. And, you know, for those who don't know, Enrico Ciccone was a former NHL player. He played hockey for the Canadians and for other teams and, you know, made this transition as an elected official. And he gave this strange example about how it works in a hockey team. And he came out and said, well, you know, listen, this is kind of like coaching a team. And you want your team to perform, and everyone has to be on board. And, the, you know, they, they need to respect the coach. And, you know, when you, you're, you're given a position, you got to play that position. If not, you're benched. You're out. And it was this kind of my way or the highway kind of approach. And automatically, in the back of my mind, all these red flags started coming up. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? First of all, you can't compare hockey with the parliament. That's a bad comparison. But you know what? I'll give it to you because that's where you come from and that's the world that you know. Granted, I'll give it to you. But here's the thing that you probably did not take into account. And I'm not a, the biggest hockey you know, fanatic. I mean, I love the Habs. I, I watch them here and there. And what I've come to understand is that in a hockey team, when a when things aren't going well, the first head to roll is not the player that gets paid millions of dollars. It's not the player, you know, on on, on whom the, the 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 team has invested millions of dollars. The first head to roll is the coach. You know why? Because it's his job to demonstrate that he has. The the skill, the ability, and the leadership to make this team work. 
And if your players don't work well together, well, it's up to you to figure it out. Change them lines. Bring them, you know, I don't know, switch them, you know, uh, wings. Bring them to the second line, third line. You know, figure it out. That's your job as a coach, and you're paid to make it work. And that's the analogy that you need to compare in politics. Not the other one. Not the my way or the highway kind of thing. If you're not going to play, you're benched. It doesn't work like that in politics. And you know why it doesn't work like that in politics? Because you didn't go out and fish those players and hire them to play for you. In politics, the players are there because the people selected them to be there. So you need to respect the electorate that chose that individual to sit in that chair. And it's not up to you to decide if it's your way or the highway. So the right comparison that needs to be made here is does the leader quote-unquote the coach have the ability the skill and the leadership to make things work and i've been on i've gone on record here as well you know when we did the qc brief of michael forian where we consistently questioned ourselves on dominic's campaign on dominic Anglad's campaign and her leadership going forward and if she would be able to maintain it after the expected disastrous result that uh, that she got. The expected disastrous result. We knew. We knew that this campaign was going to be disastrous for the Liberal Party. We knew there was no hope of getting more than what they got. In fact, I thought they were going to get less. So so that's what, that's what the comparison needs to be done. Uh, that, that's what kind of comparison needs to be made over here. So if Dominique Anglad can't figure out how to make the, the, the caucus work with 21, 21, 21 people. And I get there's egos flying left, right, and center. I know how it is. I've seen it. But you're the leader, and you only have 21 people to figure out. How convincing are you going to be to your members about wanting so desperately to govern which theoretically you'd require a much bigger, a much larger team, if you cannot figure out 21, 21 people. You can't figure that out. You cannot, I'm not going to say make people happy. You can't always make everyone happy. But you cannot figure out a solution where your caucus is going to be ready at the end of November when Parliament goes in session. That's the big question here. That's a big question. Now, in all fairness, let's just talk a little bit about these positions that are, are, are given to these MAs. Usually, usually, it is extremely uncommon for the MAs not to accept the responsibilities that are given to them. Usually, it's this very humbling moment this experience where you uh, humbly accept their responsibilities and then traditionally you know everyone goes on their social media thank you so much so and so you know dominic on glad thank you premier Legault, for trusting me with these responsibilities you just take it you take it whether you like it or not if your leader gives you a responsibility you say thank you and you take it now have people refused of course They've refused in the past. Chances are that maybe in the future too people might refuse. The rare times that that happens 
it usually comes from highly experienced politicians uh people that you know politicians that have been there for a long time and they've established their credibility and their influence either in the party or within their caucus or if it's a high profile mna you know we talked about pierre fitzgibbon the other day we know from the information that we got that he probably went to premier lego and told him listen i want you to split the Department of Energy and Natural Resources and give me energy. Let's bring energy into the in, 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 under the economy umbrella. Lugo did it. <laughs> He's not going to say no to Pierre Fitzgibbon. So unless you have that profile, unless you have that kind of influence, you normally just accept what you're given, whether you like it or not. Which brings us to the next point. Was this move calculated by uh, by my uh, Marie Claude Nichols? Before we talk about that, before we talk about whether or not it was calculated by Marie Claude Nichols, let's just address the elephant in the room over here. Absolutely nobody believes those planned lines that every single liberal MA has been regurgitating to the effect that everyone is happy we are united we are behind dominic on glad we're going to be the most effective opposition the, the 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 electorate trusted us with their vote and we're gonna show them that we have what it takes you know all those lines that dominic on glad has been has been you know trying to sell from the beginning from the end of the of the election nobody believes that Nobody believes that. And the more Dominic Anglade keeps that rhetoric, the more she and her caucus keep looking delusional. Nobody believes that this caucus is united. Nobody believes that everyone is supporting Dominic Anglade. And I understand it's politics, it's about image, and everyone, you know, regardless of what happens behind closed doors, when those doors open, you got to put that smile on and show that we're all together, we're all a team. What Enrico Ciccone said, we are one team. We want everyone to collectively put in the effort to get us into that new direction that we want to take the party or blah, 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 whatever he said. The reality, though, is that not everyone is happy and nobody believes that everyone is happy and everyone is united. So I think at some point they should just stop saying that. They look ridiculous. They look ridiculous. So going back to uh, Marie-Claude Nichols, was this a calculated move? Was this you know, her opportunity to stand up and say, listen, I was never happy from the fucking beginning. You messed up this election. You almost made me lose my writing. I wanted by the skin of my teeth. You need to go and I'm going to make a stand. I'm not happy about us being sold on the idea of, you know, acting that we're united and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And she thought, you know what? This is the position that I want. And in her mind, thinking that if she doesn't give it to me, no problem. I'm going to make, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a scene. Maybe that was calculated. I'm not so sure, however, if she factored in the possibility of Dominique Anglade ejecting her from her caucus. Probably not. Probably not. She thought, you know what? I'm going to play hardball. And uh, I'm just going to refuse everything she gives me if she doesn't give me what I want. And then automatically it will force the media to question that. And that will get the ball rolling. 
on Dominique Anglade's leadership. Maybe that's what she thought. Regardless of what she thought, though, I mean, if we get back to Dominique Anglade, how do you justify this? This is the strangest thing that I have seen. And I've seen people get ejected uh, from caucus for different for, for, for different reasons, you know? Some really uh, uh, serious ones and some not that serious ones. This is probably among the less serious reasons. Someone that doesn't want to get the responsibilities. And if you think of it from a PR perspective, it is so much easier for Dominique Anglade to have someone in her caucus with zero responsibilities, because you can very easily figure out a way to explain that, than to kick someone out of the caucus and then have to explain to everyone that, no, no, we're united. Yeah, yeah, everyone is happy. Because that's, you should know that that is done. As soon as you do that, you can't come out and say that we're united anymore. That's done. It's over. Like, that's the last move that you play. Like, there's nothing else to do. Like, you're literally boxed in the corner, and that line, you can no longer use it again. It's finished. There's no way that anyone is going to believe you, if there ever was anyone that believed you to begin with. But if there were people that believed you that your caucus was united, well, that would pretty much end it there. So strategically, and from a PR perspective, she should have just kept her there and not given her any responsibilities. And from the information that we got from certain media, Marie-Claude Nichols was clear that if she wasn't going to get the third deputy speaker position, she did not want any responsibility. She was going to remain uh, in the caucus with no responsibility. And she was okay with it, apparently, from the information that we got from the media. Marie-Claude Nichols was perfectly fine not getting anything if she would not get that position. So why, why, why not just leave it like that? Why not just leave it like that and just come out and say, look, look, you know, Marie-Claude Nichols made it very clear to us that she wanted deputy speaker position. We all decided on France Benjamin and she won't have any responsibilities. It's okay though. Everything is fine. We're united. I don't know if anyone would believe that, but from a communications perspective, it's so much easier to explain that than to explain why you kicked her out and then have to convince people that you're united. What are you crazy? Nobody's going to believe that now. <clears throat> just going to take a sip of water. Nobody's going to believe that. You got to be out of your mind. Now, I sent a couple messages to some friends that are elected. Obviously, they're not going to tell me what happened because for those who follow, they know that what happens in caucus stays in caucus and that is something that is that that that, that is holy. It's 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 religious. You don't break that line, you know. Um, but I try to find a few things out, and you know what I got to understand. Kind of, you know, the message between the lines was that Marie Claude Nichols lost her shit. Now again, did that really happen? Did it not? I don't know. But for someone to get kicked out of caucus, I mean, you need to have something serious happening that you can justify kicking her out. Maybe, maybe she did lose her shit. Maybe some words were exchanged that were disrespectful, unacceptable, to the point where, listen, you cannot say these things. 
I mean, I don't know Marie Claude Nichols. I've met her a couple times. She seemed like a very sweet woman. Not the kind of woman to act like this. Definitely not. But again, let's keep one thing in mind. The people that are elected in the Liberal Caucus had one of the toughest campaigns in the history of this party. And especially when we look at uh, MNAs like Marie-Claude Nichols, who literally went to war to win that riding. She's up to here. Maybe she exploded. Maybe she couldn't maintain it. Maybe she couldn't contain it anymore. Maybe nerves got in the way. Maybe she, she you know, let it all out. Maybe words were said, unfortunate words, I don't know. Maybe certain things that she wants to take back. I don't know. But that would definitely be a, a, a justifiable reason to get someone out of caucus. I mean, listen, you can't talk like that. You got to be respectful towards your colleagues. Now, did that really happen? I don't know. But again, from the understanding that I got, she lost her shit. <laughs> again, do you kick someone out of the caucus? Let me remind everyone that this is not the first time it's happened. Uh, I want to bring you back to uh, Marie Montpetit, who was the MA in uh, Maurice Richard, who was ejected from caucus in the last mandate because apparently she had an aggressive character, um, uh, 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 an uncollaborative attitude, uh, especially towards her personnel. They kicked her out, uh, out of caucus. And they didn't bring her back. And she didn't run for re-election, obviously. And we lost Maurice Richard. Now, I know Marie Montpetit personally. I never, ever got that feeling from her towards me, personally now. Do they explode? Do nerves come in the way? It, it has happened. And it will continue to happen because politics is not easy. It's a tough fucking sport. You know, and the people that work in politics should know that it's tough. And there's egos, there's attitudes, there's nerves. Is it, I'm not saying that it should be like that, but it's an environment that is, uh, you know, high, high, high pressure, high, high, high stress. And it's, it happens. It happens that people explode and they yell and, you know, then they come back to normal and things are okay. Was that happening with Marie Montpetit? I don't know. Again, personally for me, I never saw that. I mean, we had a great relationship with Marie Montpetit. Very cordial, very respectful. She was a, she was a good MA. She was a good MA. She loved her job, and from what I understand, her, constitu her constituents loved her too. So, and again, there was no justification given. They threw her out. They leaked to the press that there was this, um, um, you know, the, 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 this uh, workplace and environment that was unsustainable. Apparently, some of her employees complained, and she's out. She was never given the chance to uh, explain herself. She was never uh, given a forum where this could be debated or for someone to bring some evidence or what. Nothing. That didn't happen. You're out. You're gone. No justification. Out. On the flip side, you can take an example like 
Gaetan Barret, who in opposition last uh, in the last mandate, I think at the at the beginning of the mandate, he was given um, the the role as official opposition critic to 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 the Treasury Board or finance, something like that. And uh, he was removed those responsibilities. He did, he wasn't kicked out. He wasn't kicked out. He stayed. Stayed part of the caucus. So. What is going on over here with Mary Claude Nichols? Just because she refused, you're kicking her out? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. What does this mean? What this means is that the gloves are off. That's what it means. Again, I don't know if this was a calculated move by uh, Mary Claude Nichols. I, my personal opinion, I think that she didn't support or she didn't want to support um, Dominique Anglade after the, 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 the pitiful result that the party got after the elections. Uh, maybe she was expecting Dominique Anglade to resign. Maybe. Um, maybe she wasn't happy with everyone just putting a fake smile and acting like everyone is united when in reality there are factions in that caucus that don't like Dominique Anglade. Guaranteed. 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 In fact, Dominique Anglade knows that there's people that are eyeing that job. She knows. She's not dumb. She knows. She knows. Now, what I think Marie-Claude Nichols did, maybe she, maybe, yeah, maybe this was calculated to a certain extent. Maybe in her mind, like I said before, she thought, this is what I'm going in with, and if I don't get it, It'll be that opportunity for me to get that ball rolling. I'm gonna make a stand. It's going to get leaked. The media is gonna be all over it. It's gonna bring her leadership to question. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens. She probably thought that, you know what? I'll be a backbencher in opposition. Worst case scenario, she won't give me anything. I'll be okay with it. Again, it'll reflect badly on her, not on me. I'm not so sure she had calculated the possibility of getting ejected from caucus. Now, the other, the worst case scenario right now is that Marie-Claude Nichols comes out publicly to say exactly what happened. Because don't forget, she's an independent now. She can do whatever she wants. There was a lot of saliva that was spent on this topic today there was a lot of ink that went on paper on this today there was a lot of tweets that went out on this today there was a lot of shit happening on this today guys so but we haven't heard from dominique anglad we haven't heard from marie claude nichols if i were marie claude nichols i would probably not take it further if i were marie claude nichols i would and if this is a situation that surprised her, right? If this is not something that she had calculated and she was thrown out of the caucus, if I were in her shoes, I would just cool cool it down a bit. Just, you know, let the dust settle. Don't make any bold statements. You know, figure out a couple of lines to say, and that's it. Why? Because what happens now is that the ball will start rolling. You know, that little snowball is down the mountain now, and it's rolling, and it's going to get bigger. So who knows what might happen? 
So you don't want, as Marie-Claude Nichols now, you don't want to distance yourself further from your colleagues because in the eventuality where in the next couple of months, Dominique Anglade decides this is not working, I'm out, maybe your caucus is going to reintegrate you. But if you go all out now as an independent MNA, and you're like, this is what she did, this is what I said, here's who's against her, la, 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 and you play that game, you're never coming back in that caucus. So your political career just ended. You're going to complete your mandate, and in 2026, you're gone because you can't run independent unless, I don't know, unless you go into the CAC. Maybe the CAC is going to take you. They wanted that riding. Maybe, maybe she'll cross the floor. I doubt it. I doubt that she wants to do that. Right? Claude Nichols is a liberal. She's a loyal liberal. Um, and I think right now is a very delicate stage. She needs to play her cards right. In her, in her shoes, I would accept what happened. I would come on and say, look, I respect the decision my caucus made. I disagreed with certain things. They thought the right decision was to kick me out. I don't understand it. Maybe Dominique Anglade can give you a better explanation. From here on, I'll assume my role as an independent MNA. Period. That's it. That's your only statement that you need to say. That's it. That's it. And then just wait to see what happens. If you keep it cool, there are chances that you may reintegrate the caucus. If you go all out, it's done. It's a done deal. So I think she should just end the battle right there and focus on winning the war, okay, getting back into the caucus. Now, with respect to Dominique Anglade, this was a very bad decision. Hands down, the worst decision she could have made. I mean, Parliament isn't even in session. They haven't even started yet. Parliament is opening up at the end of November. And you've already ejected someone from your caucus. Now, keep it, and we've spoken about this in other episodes. The amount of stress this woman is going through right now, she's on survival mode, okay? She's clinching on to power. She, she's desperately trying to keep that job as the party leader. It's not looking promising right now for her. But in addition to all that, the weight that she has right now on her shoulders, first and foremost, on figuring out if she's going to grant official party status to Quebec Solidaire and the Parti Québécois. Secondly, is she going to uh, uh, allow these parties, these two same parties, to sit, having not completed their their, their swearing-in ceremony, the, the, the oath? They only did half the oath. So that's missing. Technically, by the rules... If you don't swear in, you cannot sit as an MA. So are you going to allow them? Are you going to make an exception to come in? On both those issues, I, I would say no. And I think I made that clear. I wouldn't grant them official party status. And I wouldn't authorize them to sit in the parliament if they don't complete their oath. And again, it's not because I'm a monarchist or anything like that. It's because rules are rules. And if you want to make changes to the swearing in ceremony, that's fine. Table a motion, table a bill, let's discuss it. But in order for that to change, you need, apparently, you need to, to, to you need a law. And if you, to, to, to table a law, you need to be sitting in the house. And to sit in the house, well, you got to follow the rules that are in place at the moment. So you need to complete your swearing-in ceremony in order to come in. And then we'll discuss. And if we agree on changing it, then we'll change it. That's, that's fine. Next time around, we don't swear allegiance to the king 
But rules are rules. You need to be your We went over this in the last episode. So I wouldn't grant him, and uh, I hope she doesn't either. So she has that decision to make, granting the official status, allowing them to sit in the house. This is deadly because she's going to have to come out now and justify what happened. She's going to have to answer to this. So that's the heaviest thing right now. And then the fourth, which she has to juggle with now, is her own survival as the party leader. I can guarantee you that she wasn't expecting this. I can guarantee you. Now, did she do this? Did she use Marie-Claude Nichols as an example to the other people? Because like I said before, guys, there's no question that Dominique Anglade knows that there's people in her caucus that want her job. Was this an example to the other ones? You guys shut your mouth, you know? You stand against me, that's what happens. Is that the type of leadership the Liberal Party wants to have? I don't know. You know, A leader that leads with fear? And not a leader that leads with, you know, the example? You know, all that positive stuff? Maybe. Maybe she used it as an example. You know, put her foot down and say, listen, I'm the boss. If you guys are thinking whatever you're thinking, look what happened to Marie-Claude Nichols. Look what happened. So... Know your role, do your job, and we'll be fine. And that's very possible. And that's very possible. And the reason why that's very possible is because her close circle is still around. She's keeping these people in these uh, important posts. For what reason? I don't know. I don't know. Does it make sense that after this humiliating defeat that the party just got in these elections that your chief organizer is still in place does it make sense not in my book right is Dominique Anglade keeping them there purposely for a reason does she want her close guard close because she wants to monitor what's happening around her is she panicking is she worried what's going on in that caucus one thing's for sure, now we know that it's not divide, uh, that it's not united. One thing's for sure, that's one thing that's for sure. So whatever bullshit they came out and told us a week ago, a week ago, one week ago, the Liberal Party was sworn in. A week ago. Seven days ago, they were sworn in. They had a caucus meeting and they all came out smiling, saying, we're united, we're behind Dominique Anglade. Seven days later, this drama happens. Are you really united? Come on, guys. Come on. Who are you kidding here? So obviously, there's a problem in the caucus. It is now uh, public, right? How, how much further is my recluse Nichols going to take this? Who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm curious to see how this is going to evolve because there are so many moving parts right now, excluding this. Excluding this, there are so many things right now that uh, Dominique Anglade is uh, is having to decide on that is going to determine her leadership skills, her leadership ability, and ultimately uh, her staying on as a leader. That this coming on top was definitely not something that she wanted to deal with. This is not the way that they wanted to start this session. That's obviously... We can all agree on that. So here's what I think is happening at this point. 
Right after the campaign, there's automatically, I think, in my opinion, probably two groups that were formed. The groups probably of newly elected MNAs who were recruited directly from Dominique Anglade and have this kind of loyalty towards her that regardless are backing her and they're, you know, they're really supporting her. And then you have another group of, uh, of MNAs who are probably there from before. And there's not, you know, I mean, there's not that many, uh, about 10, 10 or 11, uh, about half, half the cabinet. Uh, who probably either doesn't know if they want to support her, either wants to wait to see how she performs. In any case, that group was silent. Let's take it easy. Let's all see how things evolve. Um, you know, let's see. Let, let's see where the ball rolls. What happened though now with Marie Claude Nichols? is that she just gave a voice to a lot of people that had decided to stay silent and to wait. Like I said, the gloves are off, man. The gloves are off, and it already started with Lise Thériault. Lise Thériault, for those who don't know, was elected in 2003 for the first time in Anjou, the writing of Anjou. Later, it became Anjou-Louis Anjou Riel. And in 2018, she announced that it was going to be her last mandate. She did it up until 2022. She didn't seek re-election. She was very much involved. I think she was heavily involved also in the campaign. She she worked hard to get that candidate elected. Unfortunately for the Liberal Party, that writing was lost to the CAC. Listerio isn't a nobody. She's not, she's not a nobody. Listerio was a cabinet minister. She had important files. She had important departments. She carried a lot of weight in that cabinet, in the ministerial cabinet. This is a person that opened her mouth and everyone listened to what she had to say. She was a very influential person in the Liberal Party and in the caucus. She was a veteran that was very well respected. And she came out today in the news. They interviewed her, and she was livid. She could not believe what was happening. She said, this is not the party that I, can't, that, that, that I supported all these years. These aren't the values that, 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 that we help promote. And you know, What is going on? What's wrong with Dominique Anglade? How can she kick her out of her caucus because she did not agree with a position? Like, that's not the liberal party that I know. And she's absolutely right. I mean, because someone disagrees, you throw them out. So either there's something more that happened that justified that. Either Dominique Anglade has a lot on her shoulders and has lost control of the situation. I don't see any other alternative here. I don't see any other alternative. And the fact that Listerion now, in my opinion, is going to become the person in front of the pack leading probably the charge against Dominique Anglade is serious. Let me remind you guys that in the leadership race, Listerion was not in Dominique Anglade's camp. She had supported Alexandre Cusson. So did Listerion find an opportunity for her to, to put her foot in and say, you know what, all right, let's go. Come on, the gloves are off. Let's do it. This is big. This is big. Uh, and like I told you guys, there, there are certain changes that are happening up high uh, at the top. In that same article that announced this today uh, in, in La Presse, uh, Tommy Chouinard, 
he also mentions two senior staffers being shown the door. So we're talking about Julie White and Shalak Rabah. We spoke about those two again in the QC brief. Uh, if you guys remember the first week of the campaign, it was just a mess. The Liberal Party hadn't hadn't completed 125 candidates and they were just finding any Tom, Dick, and Harry shoving them left, right, and center just to avoid the embarrassment of not having 125 candidates. And two of those writings, well, they took Julie White and Charles Rabin. There were two writings in the region of Quebec and said, here, you guys go there. We have no choice. And we commented on that. I don't know if you guys remember. We were wondering if your senior officials, if your top advisors are not in the bus with you during the campaign, advising you during the campaign, then who is advising you? Who's, who's telling you what to do in this campaign if you're... If your top advisors aren't with you because you sent them to campaign because you were too embarrassed to not have candidates. In any case, everyone knew that once this campaign would be over, Julie White and Charles Robert would just go back to their job because that's where they belong. They have advised premiers, uh, party leaders. They've been there for a while. They know what they're doing and they're good at what they're doing. Now, you want to take the party a different direction is it normal to bring new faces? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if that's the case, then okay, get rid of them and bring new faces, other competent people that may help you get to where you want to get to. But the way that the article was written, it was as though Julie White was leaving Dominique Anglade's cabinet because apparently they're forcing Charles Robert out as well. That's how I understood it. I could be wrong here. Go and check out the article from Tommy Schumacher in, in, in La Presse. The way I understood it was that Julie White is leaving because they're forcing Charles Robert out. So probably she's like, what the hell is going on over here? I'm out. If you guys are forcing this guy out, then goodbye. Again, mind you, the people responsible for this defeat are still in place now Dominique Anglade may attempt to keep these people close to her and in these uh, in these positions because she wants to you know keep some control on what's happening make sure that you know everyone is in line everyone is in check the one thing however that she will never be able to control and who will ultimately decide her fate is the membership, the members of the party. There's no way you can control those. Those guys, you can't control them. can't control them. And up until now, there has been zero meetings with any regional, uh, with any uh, regional uh, representation there in the ridings. There hasn't been any meeting with the riding association presidents. Are they buying time? I can agree that this was a huge... Uh, result, you know, a, a, a very bad result, very bad campaign, and you need to take all that in. Maybe, okay, maybe you need more time before, but eventually you're going to have to have these meetings, and it won't be pretty, man. Let me tell you, those meetings with those members and the and the writing association presidents will not be pretty. And eventually, and we spoke about this in uh, earlier episodes, she needs to convene a general assembly or a a, a, a party convention to which she will be subjected to a confidence vote, in which she will be uh, subjected to a confidence vote. I hope to God that she doesn't make it there, 
because based on what I'm seeing, that party convention won't be pretty for Dominique Anglade. So unless she's planning on beefing up her image and proving that she has what it takes to lead the party and she changes course completely and everyone is just on board, in my point of view, that's a huge task to accomplish. I do not see that happening. I don't see that happening. So she could keep as many people as she want around her, even though a lot of people aren't happy with these decisions. Ultimately, it gets down to the, to, 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 to the membership. And there's nothing she could do to keep close tabs on that. Nothing, absolutely nothing. So she can buy as much time as she wants. At the end of the day, she is accountable to the members. And I don't know what she's doing because all these things that just happened now, plus the things that were already, uh, you know, all that weight that she already carried is going to determine her fate, I think. They're ultimately going to determine if whether or not she's going to stay on as a leader of the party. So maybe she won't even make it to the party convention. Who knows? This is going to be very interesting. I can assure you that the, the days and probably weeks going forward, the journalists are going to dig deeper into this story. You know how journalists are. They want to get to the bottom of it. Who did what? Who said what? And who decided what? We want to know. I hope to God Marie-Claude Nichols just keeps it cool. Take in the result, accept it, respect it, just be quiet in opposition. Maybe things are going to turn in your favor. I hope. But that doesn't mean that Dominique Anglade is going to get off the hook like that easily. <laughs> she's going to have to come out with some answer. Eventually, she's going to have to come out of hiding. Eventually, the journalists are going to get to her, and they're going to ask her about this ridiculous decision to eject Marie-Claude Nichols because from what Enrico Ciccone said, she did not want to accept the positions that she was given. He didn't say that she was, you know, disrespectful. She was yelling. None of that was said. Maybe he was trying to hide that. Maybe that happened and he figured out that I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to go that she, I'm just going to say that she didn't accept the positions. But if we base ourselves on what we know, he said that, the decision was based exclusively on the fact that she did not accept the responsibilities. And we find out today from the journalists that Marie-Claude Nichols was perfectly fine staying in caucus with no responsibility. So why kick her out? What the hell happened? The media is going to want to get to the bottom of this, I can reassure you. So the next couple of days, maybe weeks, we're going to hear a lot more about this. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for the other things that we spoke about in other episodes to know if whether or not Dominique Anglada is going to recognize the parties, give them official status, if she's going to allow them to sit without having completed their uh, their oath, and what's going to happen with the membership of the party. Let me tell you, there is a lot to unfold there. It won't be an easy beginning of, uh, of this new session for Dominique Anglada. Stay tuned, everyone. Thank you again for tuning into this episode. Give it a five-star rating. I'll gladly appreciate it. Trying to grow this channel, trying to grow the community. If, you, if you're like me and you enjoy much more the visual uh, content, head on over to YouTube, subscribe to the page, and share the content. And you know what? Let me know what you think. Put some things down in the comments below. Do you agree? Do you not agree? Do you think I'm full of shit? Do you think I'm right? Whatever it is, 
uh we accept people's opinions here man come on let me know what you think uh, and, and let's start that conversation i don't mind i don't have an issue with that thank you all so much i'll see you all very soon on the next episode take care